listening to The Running Public. From marathoners to mud runners, we all have the same goal. Get to the finish line faster. That's right. This podcast is for you guys, The Running Public. This is The Running Public's Training Tuesday. Training Tuesday is where we talk about training only. One topic, we dive deep, we explore it completely. It's training, it's Tuesday. Training Tuesday. Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. Been pushed. Push it. Kirk, I'm pushing it. That's what I hear. Yeah. This was week four of training. I had like three straight, four straight months of really solid exercising. And now I'm training again. But it's like splitting the difference training where I'm hitting volume and then quality as it presents itself, if that makes sense. So what um, we did an entire episode on like exercising versus versus training a while ago yeah. on a training Tuesday. But what differentiates it for you? What like symbolically has changed in the last four weeks? That there's a purpose and a progression of everything I'm doing rather than just I'm going to ride the bike today because I don't feel like running mm-hmm. because there's no there's not a pot at the end of the rainbow. So even though there isn't necessarily a pot at the end of my rainbow, there's a there's a premise that I'm operating under right now, and it's progressive in nature. And so I think that's training. Training is progressive in nature, and it's specific to a task. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I hit over nine traction, hours like. of workouts this week. Woo! Cardio, like aerobic stimulus or including strength? Uh, eight hours and 28 minutes of cardio. Wow. And how much of that was running? How much were you able to run? half of that i think i hit right around 40 miles awesome i've been hovering in the five mid fives right now Mm. doing my best but i'm not really layering much on top of that so you're really overachieving i'm layering doing me i don't like it that's what i'm doing i'm hopping on the Mm -hmm. bike rower did weight vest hiking did and a lot of it's uphill jogging 20 percent, 15 percent where you're getting three miles in an hour kind of thing where it doesn't really show up on the stats, but it's time. So that's what I'm doing right now. Mm -hmm. I'm layering in extra. Are you doing anything special? Are you swinging for the fences on anything? Are you changing the world with one workout, Bracken? Of course not. Or am I? No, I'm sticking to leg builders. I'm sticking to machine threshold and some... Like I did I did an outdoor tempo run this week. Last week, I did an outdoor cut down. Like that's the extent of how spicy it is. But even that, I'm tempering it. Mm-hmm. Uh, last week was an 11-mile run with four miles cut down at the end. This week was just a like a 7K tempo on the nastiest terrain I could find, which just limits the impact you can take. So, mm-hmm. no, I'm not doing anything special, but I'm stacking. Nine hours. That's big for me. I got a couple of athletes. <clears throat> it's a ton. <clears throat> that's like, that's training. You don't, yeah. you don't, ex- I, please, I hope nobody out there exercises for nine hours a week. That'd be, that'd be silly. When we start getting up there, there's got to be some training involved. It's a lot of exercising. I got a couple of athletes right now who are like on the cusp of breaking through. Let's say a uh, 17, 25K runner who wants to break 17, right? Or mm-hmm. somebody who's like wants to get to that next level or jump into elite. <clears throat> and I have two in particular and one the other day asked like, so what do I do now? Like we were a couple of weeks back into off season or base training. They want to time trial this spring and run some races to improve their 5k. 
like, so what do I do? Just swing really hard now in all my like quality sessions? Do I, do I, do I have to amp up my effort level in order to get better? Do I need to over swing, just run the pace I want to run and die by doing so? And I was like, that's the exact opposite thing you should be doing right now. Mm -hmm. Like killing yourself and becoming unavailable eventually is the wrong approach. Like there's a time and a place, but it certainly isn't right now. Like literally show up, check the box, work at your comfortably hard effort for everything, start conservative, work into the efforts and it will come to you. You don't need to go chase it around, believe it or not. Show up like Bracken's doing, check the boxes, don't turn any heads in any one workout. And suddenly in March, you're there and you don't even know how you got there. But like, I think those big hammer swings, the big, you know, where you have to take four days to recover. I think they're overrated. I think they're occasional, but not all the time. And so I think like you go how many weeks of 40 miles a week doing these little progressions and stuff. And pretty soon you're going to be like, how'd I get here? Like, well, yeah. duh, look back. You and 40 is going to turn to 45. You're laying pavement, baby. And 50. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just going to build. Exactly. It's funny you bring this up now. Because did you see what Josh Kerr did this weekend? Uh, run his mouth. <laughs> uh, he did that about? last weekend and, and most weekends. But uh, as a refresher, <laughs> Josh Kerr is the <laughs> man who upset Jakob Ingebrigtsen at World Championships in the 1500 meter. So we're talking like just under three and a half minutes of running. He went out and set his half marathon PR. At the same race, he set his half marathon PR oh, I did not see that. last year. And I think that that's all we need to know about what we should be doing right now if we want to PR in spring or summer. Because he's preparing to try to win the Olympic 1,500-meter dash. I'm going to call it a dash because at this point, in three August. and a half minutes of work. In August. In August. Yeah. So what's he doing right now? Yes. Racing half mararathon. Getting strong. Getting strong. <sighs> nothing sharp. Nothing specific. so much. Building up power. That's what we should all be doing right now. Yes, I didn't see that. What did he run? He ran 61 and change. Now, granted, this is a net downhill of a lot. It's a fast half course, and people mm. are like discarding it because of that, which maybe that's fair. But last year, he ran 63-something here. This year, he ran 61. So it's like, who cares if the wow. test is accurate, if it's consistent? He's improved. And if he's now two minutes better in a half marathon, mm -hmm. his 1500 is only going to improve. Mm -hmm. And I was referring to, he had an interview last week and he ran his mouth a little bit, right. kind of smack talking Jakob Ingebrigtsen, which I was, I enjoyed watching or listening to, to be honest with you, but I didn't know he raced. So, um, I don't know. That's sort of like, um, I feel like sometimes when athletes are looking to break through or make a jump and most of us are right. We're all looking to improve. They think they have to be extraordinary. And I think you have to be like ordinary every day, like mm -hmm. show up and do it. And I'm being a little, I'm underselling it a little bit, but like all the non-flashy stuff, like saving just a little in the tank after every workout. Like, could I have pushed those last two reps and been five seconds a mile faster on my mile repeats? Yes, but at what cost? Right. When it affects consistent training thereafter. And, and not only that, but like the mental suck that happens if you go literally to the well every single time you put your workout shoes on. It like just eventually that card's not available anymore when it comes to race day. So I just feel very passionate about that. We've done episodes on like swing the hammer hard and I still think those hero workouts are necessary, but I think they're more necessary as you get closer to events that really matter. Like right now, slay pavement. Right now it's when someone asks me about what is this training block doing? Now I say, this is the training that's going to prepare us for the training. Like everything we're doing now yes. 
These are workouts that will get us ready for the workouts. That's it. That's what we're doing right now. So that it's, we can stack it's whatever getting you we ready want to, later. Yes. Get ready to actually be able to take, absorb, and use the workouts to come. Yep. Versus completely wreck you, ruin you, and then you have a hard time moving forward. I don't want to get too far into this episode, Bracken, before we make an exciting announcement. We should have did it right away, but we can't help ourselves. Go ahead. Should we tell everybody about the giveaway we're doing? You cool? It's been a long time. I know. We're due for a giveaway, guys, and we decided um, it's people helping people here is what we're talking about. We help you. You help us. So Bribery. Between now and bribery for sure. Um, We're going to give three people an entire year free on the running public training plan of their choice. So that's an entire 12 months of whichever plan you choose, OCR, run training plan, and then we have two more in the works that are hopefully launching here in January. Um, And what do you have to do for us? You got to write a review. It's the Christmas season. It's people helping people, as I say. Gift giving to one another, right? I give a gift, I receive a gift sort of thing. So what we're hoping for is you go write a written review on either Apple Podcasts or any podcast outlet that you use. I don't care what it says. I don't care what the the rating is. Now we're going to put you all into a number generator and give away three people an entire free year. What does that come out to? We'll even throw the strength plan in there. That's 25 bucks a month. What's the math on that? What value is that? guy. What was that like six? I got my what? calculator out right here. Five fifty. <laughs> Three hundred. <laughs> Three hundred dollars. Convert it to value. seconds and minutes, and I got you. <laughs> yes, got him. Anyway, so between now and New Year, any reviews that come in, written reviews, um, you can add to the name, the uh, the wheel of names, and we're gonna we're gonna draw three people. So please go do that. If I'm being honest, the amount of reviews coming in is embarrassingly slow. I mean, we're just getting one trickle in every now and then. You know, I feel like those who have written have already written, and now, you know, we're kind of fizzling out in that regard. And it would mean a lot to us to sort of move that needle and still try to prioritize some sort of rankings in the endurance space. And so um, we would very much appreciate it. Absolutely. I concur. I have nothing to add. But I do have this, Kirk. Can you hear my background wind? No, you guys got a crazy deal going on there? Yeah, as windy as I can ever remember a day being. We had that come in last night, and it must have made it. Now it's sunny and clear and beautiful, but in calm. Yeah, this it's all. It'll be over soon, Bracken. Dreading my run right after this, but it's going to happen. So we're stacking. Yeah, I believe in you. Um, so what are we talking about today? We're we're talking about getting lost in the weeds of pacing. And you actually, this is your brainchild, where you 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 talked about this a little bit and. I had to jump on board with this because this is we, this is a uh, what we're a victim of our own creation. Not that we created this, but with people that listen to our podcast or any podcast, we get really excited and we talk about pacing and intensity and how it matters to do the right thing at the right time. And then people get too caught up in it and we read too far into it and then we get caught up and distracted and we forget that work is work. And so today is kind of a let's all take mm-hmm. a deep breath relax and realize that if you're putting in good work, you're putting in good work. Like all training is, is a balance of intensity and recovery. And if we get too bogged down on how the intensity is supposed to look and forget about the fact that just recover as much as you worked hard, then you're fine. Hmm. That's simple. That's simple. I, uh, I feel like our listeners and our, and our athletes sort of guide us into what, like what maybe some of our like 
listeners that don't speak up or reach out are thinking or have mm-hmm. curiosities, curiosities about. So like, I feel like recent conversations lead us in our topics. And um, a couple of athletes I coached recently, I found splitting hairs, we will call, uh, in particularly with like lactate threshold and aerobic threshold and pretty soon talking ourselves in circles about if I'm at 167 BPM or 168, should I be at 168 BPM instead of 167? And But I had to ramp up to get there and then I spent a little time over and like now I don't like, am I selling myself short or am I working to, am I not accomplishing what I'm supposed to accomplish? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh boy, no, yes, no, I don't know. We need to just, we need to get out of the weeds, pull ourselves back a little bit and like not overthink it sometimes. And it's so easy to do the best in our sports. We alluded to Jakob Ingebrigtsen earlier and they're, you know, pricking their fingers in a middle mid intervals and they're ch- checking blood lactate and they're so down to a science that we feel like the best we can do is emulate that ourselves. And that's going to get us the furthest, but truth be told, you're not Jakob Ingebrigtsen. You don't have access to blood lactate testing in the middle of your threshold session. And so getting lost in the weeds, isn't really for you. That's what I think. Yeah. And so I just want to like ease people's minds today. So where do you want to start this conversation? I think we should just start with some reassurance with some actual numbers, which is just to say what yeah. threshold is. So if you if you look across the spectrum of what exercise specialists will talk about, you're talking between 30 and 60 minutes of all-out effort. That is the effort range of lactate threshold from low end to high end. And somewhere along that spectrum in there is a sweet spot for everyone for a workout. 20 by 400, like our recent guest, Mr. Charlie Lawrence talked about, will probably fall on the 30-minute side of of threshold. Whereas, let's say, Mm. 3 by 2 mile is going to fall on the far end of the spectrum of threshold, more like that 60-minute pace. And so where you reside on the spectrum is different for each athlete and what workout you're trying to do. But let's just say these numbers right now. Let's take you, Kirk, for this theoretical athlete. Mm -hmm. What would your... What race distance is closest to a 30-minute duration for you? Closest? Uh, 10K, let's say. Okay, let's call it a 10K. And realistically, it's probably like a 9K, right? Nine and a half K? Correct. Yeah, but I mean, how often do you see 9Ks? It's right. somewhere between 8K and 10K, we'll say. Right. Yeah. So let's just call it that. 8K to 10K at <clears> the <throat> low end. 8K on the trails, 10K on the track. And let's go high end. What is 60-minute race pace distance for you what's the closest accepted race distance for that 10 that does probably a 10 miler i'd be stretching it at a half so a 10 miler let's say yeah somewhere between 10 mile and a half marathon 10 miles is going to be closer to 52 for you half marathon is going to be closer to like 68 or 70 i'm not entirely sure what you can do right now but right around in there right so we have a range from let's call it 9k to 20k is that fair sure yeah all right so what is your 9k pace race pace per mile let's talk per mile right now um 9k race pace oh i don't know let's just say it is five let's just say 515 515 and what is your 12 mile race pace your 20k race pace let's say 525 to 530 Okay, so we, so we have 515 to 530. Conservatively. So we have a 15-second per mile yeah. difference in threshold, and that's conservatively. It could be 510 to 530. So it could be a 20-second mm-hmm. per mile spread. Right. As someone who we would call 
the upper 1% of the world in running in terms of PRs across the board. Now, is there a whole nother level in that 1% that exists? Sure. We just saw it with Charlie. Charlie Lawrence held 546 for 50 miles. Okay. Like we understand there's levels to this. However, let's listen just say, to that interview. Yeah, definitely listen to it. I know this is getting long winded, but if the top 1% of the, of the population has a very narrow 20 second window, that means you can miss by 10 seconds either way on a threshold interval and still be in threshold. That's freedom is what that is. Now let's say that you're a minute slower per mile and you're in the top 5% of the population in terms of running PRs. You can now miss by like 20 seconds either way and still be in your threshold range. So if you're not doing the lab route where you're pricking your finger and getting exact science and sitting right where you want to be, it's a spectrum. You can miss as long as you set your target pretty intelligently. You can miss one way or the other and still get most of the benefit from a workout. Yeah. And uh, in quotes, like the slower you are, the bigger your perspective range is, as you said. So like yeah. the hairs become wider. They don't need to be split as finely. And I like to kind of analyze it as this, like um, break it down like this. Like, let's say you were to do a workout and the goal was I'm going to go work on my threshold running, which is all the rage, right? Right now mm-hmm. it's all we talk about. You're probably sick of hearing the word threshold at home. But so you do a warm up for 15 minutes and then let's say you go into progressive threshold intervals. You don't even, you don't stop and stretch or anything. You just ramp into it and you do some threshold intervals in the middle of a long run and then you cool down for 15 minutes. And let's say it's a 90 minute effort total, 15 minutes on both ends and uh, of warm up and cool down and an hour of some sort of work. Let's just say. Whoops, you burned too hot and that heart rate started really ripping on you, right? And you're like, this is, I know I'm over. You get a headwind on a cold winter day and suddenly your heart rate's up 10 beats a minute. And you're like, I just ruined the whole workout. And this is, now I'm not, what am I even doing? This is such a mess. Or you're not feeling it that day and you don't work quite as hard as you were hoping because you just don't have it. What I'm getting at is this. We have like buckets that we fill up right? We have our aerobic bucket, aerobic threshold, lactate threshold, and VO2 max. And as you progress through your warm up, you're putting pennies in your aerobic bucket, just like that. Like it's still going in that bucket, right? You put 15 minutes in the front end of easier work, and then you progress through and the majority of your intervals are still within the range of threshold. And sure, you're missing a little under or a little over at times, but you're putting money in the right buckets as you pass through them right? You're putting money in those buckets. Whether you go past lactate threshold or you're just under it or you're weaving in and out, you're still throwing money in each of those collective buckets as you're going through those ranges, whether you're going on heart rate or pacing or whatever it is. And so even if you miss, or let's say you work a little too hard towards the end of something, or not quite hard enough, like those perspective buckets are being filled while you're spending time in there according to your heart rate. It's not like a waste of effort. Okay, so what if you burned a little hot? Well, 30 of that 60 minutes was still spent right smack dab in the middle of threshold. Like that will benefit you no matter what. That money's going into that bucket. And so who cares if you're a little over, a little under, the buckets are being filled. And yes, you might be leaving a percent or two on the table one way or the other if you're not exact, But like, that's so small in the grand scheme of things. Mm -hmm. So just know as you progress through ranges, that fitness is going to the appropriate place, no matter what. 
whether you nail the workout or you screw it up. Yeah, and this isn't this isn't prices right rules, or if you go over by one penny, poof, it's gone. You lose it all. Not true. You got every amount right. of benefit right up until that point you went over, and then when you went over, you got a different sort of benefit. And as long as you tame yourself back, you still continue on having a great workout. And if you continue over the whole time, mm-hmm. then you need more recovery afterwards, but you didn't negate the benefits you got up until that point. So we're not advocating overworking all the time or underworking either. We're just advocating working in the right range because that range is all that matters. Think back to to like any any of our high level thinkers that came on this podcast and they all talk about like there's a ramp up. There's a progression. And as you get closer to threshold, the benefits increase. And as you back further away, the benefits decrease a little bit. But they never said you put you hit this and like the toll goes up, you can walk through and now it's good and it comes down behind you and you're out of it. That's never the message. The message is you benefit all the way along the continuum. And there's just a sweet spot for the most benefit. Well, let's ease people's minds. And I know we've chatted about this we've hinted at this or maybe directly talked about this a number of times over the years. Um, but I think like in the off season, I actually think a lot of athletes are, they want to make sure they don't work too hard, believe it or not. Like I don't think many athletes out there right now that are prepping for like thinking about spring now, right? Like the spring races, like there's some holding back, right? I think everybody who listens to this podcast gets, they should do longer type grindy threshold stuff and they should probably stay away from like focusing on VO2 max type intervals to peak, all that stuff. But let's just say what your aerobic threshold and your lactate threshold are what 10 to 15 beats a minute apart. What would you say they are in general for the general population? Okay. Let's just say it's a big gap. I think the more fit you are, the tighter it probably is, Mm -hmm. but let's just say it's 15 beats a minute. Let's say your aerobic threshold is 155 and your lactate threshold is 170. Well, if you're worried about working too hard or getting too fit or burning yourself out, like I just said, don't like go check the boxes ungloriously right now. If you have a 15 BPM buffer, just guessing, like if you go chill, if your aerobic threshold is 155 and you're chilling at 160, you're going to be in the same dang place come April with the proper training than if you went and did that same workout, but chilled at 170. Like, you're not really leaving that much on the table by undershooting slightly, in my opinion, if we're looking far out. It's like you're still moving the right energy systems. And so if anything, it's like err on the side of caution. Don't really worry too much about like five beat per minute fluctuations. I know a lot of us are in the heart rate training. Just like kind of enjoy it. Work yourself into the efforts. It'll come to you. If you're feeling good, rip at the back half. And if you breach lactate threshold, who cares? You probably don't even know what it is if you're listening. Half of you probably have no idea and don't care. But I just don't know if it's like, I mean, do you really think like some of the best in the world? Let's take the Ingebrigtsons aside. Knowing the profession, you know more about the lives of professional runners than I do. I feel like you're better at keeping up. Do you think this is this really being split like that for a lot of these pros out there? I think it like is that dialed for everybody at this point. Not for everybody, you do. but for a lot of people it is. But for every, I, I should say this for every person who is, there's someone who isn't. So for example, the Ingebrigtsons, uh, they are taking finger prick tests on pretty much all their LT intervals or ear. And then you have people like, um, 
the the Norwegian triathletes Blumenfeld and Eden who were talking in that YouTube video that I've referenced mm-hmm. where they're like, yeah, we spent ten thousand we spent ten thousand dollars last year on blood lactate monitoring strips. So like these people are going so far down the rabbit hole on that. But then you look in and then on the other side of the spec, not even on the other side, in the middle of the spectrum, you have NAU with Mike Smith. We just had that interview with the NAU coaches and athletes, Matt Baxter and Ron Mann, who talked about Mike Smith is using double threshold right now. And I read an article with him and Abdi Noor. And Noor set the American, the collegiate 5K record at like 1306 or something, which was just broken two weeks ago at 1303 mm-hmm. or something even more outrageous. But they started doing double threshold yeah. at NAU with professional runners who are running at the Olympics and they're doing double threshold once per week. And they're doing theirs based off pacing, not blood lactate strips. And they're sampling it. And these are guys who are going to the Olympics as well. And so even in the pro ranks, you have people who live and die by it. People who are sampling and playing around with the theory of it. Like we're going to choose our paces that should be threshold range. And we're going to run intervals and hit the paces which in and of itself flies in the face of the science, which says your body doesn't care about the pace. It cares about what chemical is equation is happening inside your body. Like how many hydrogen ions are being produced? What is your blood, your blood lactate? That's what your body cares about. And on some days that might be five minute pace. And on some days that might be five twenty pace, but it's causing the same internal reaction. And so the Ingebrigtsen's and the Gustav Eden's of the world are fluctuating their pace rep by rep to hit the millimole. They're trying to hit a blood lactate. And NAU is running a pace. They're doing pace-based threshold work. And they have the collegiate 5K record. And they have Olympic performers on their team. So I would say that some people are and some people aren't. But the only time it matters to do it are when you are, let's say, an Ingebrigtsen, who is fighting for tenths away from the world record and hundredths matter for winning an Olympic gold. Because everything else in his life is also dialed to that level. There's no sense dialing one aspect mm-hmm. of your life to the infinite like place value and nothing else there because it's just kind of like caught in the wash at that point. No, what I think would be helpful for some people, I would imagine, is if you're in a proper build or at any point, even when you're building towards peaking for something, like there should still be a threshold component in your mm-hmm. training um, all the way up to the leading weeks into whatever it might be. Um I think sometimes people don't understand what that should feel like. Like feel, let's talk about our feelings with it. Like RPE, rating a perceived exertion. Like what should I be feeling if I'm working in threshold, not surpassing it? Like what should be the cues, right? And and that's really what I wanted to get at today was like the threshold, like am I working too hard or too easy? Like I need to get benefit from this for my endurance training. This is really what the conversation revolves around, right? Splitting the threshold Mm -hmm. hairs. Like what does... What does being in threshold feel like for you? And then I'll describe it for me. But like, I know it's different probably for everybody, but I think this could be helpful. Okay. I'll start with intervals since that's where uh, the, the current fad is threshold intervals. Threshold intervals do not feel physically difficult to me almost ever up until I would say seven minute intervals. Anything lower than that, the difficult part of it of the workout is getting up for another rep, like doing 10 to 12 by thousand. By the time I'm to eight or nine, it's just kind of like, this is a lot of work. Never mm-hmm. does any one rep challenge me. I'm never fighting or struggling to complete the rep. I'll have to get on myself mentally to start the rep. 
But as soon as the rep starts, it's like, yeah, this is maintainable work because at the end of the day, 10 by 1,000 at slower than 10,000 meter race pace is not actually that physically challenging. I'm never miserable. I'm never hurting. It's that comfortably hard feeling or uncomfortably easy. One of the two, pick your pick your label. But I wouldn't say they mm-hmm. feel difficult. They're just challenging to start the next one. The arm carriage is nice and tight. You're not Me. fighting for your stride. You're feeling really compact and within yourself, right? Mm-hmm. If you had to, you could probably get an entire sentence out. I mean, choppy, but you probably could to somebody running next to you saying like, oh, man, this workout feels good. You could probably get that whole sentence out. Oh, man, this workout feels good. In On the worst breaths. I mean, you don't want to be right. You don't want to be jabbering the whole time, but like. The talk test is real and like, like, could you say hello to the guy walking his dog coming by? How's the day? Great day. Like, yes, mm-hmm. you should. You're not taking it easy, but you should very much be able within yourself to do those things. If you're beyond that where you can't spit out a sentence at your neighbor saying something dumb about the weather, like you're probably, probably overcooking. For me, it starts, whether it's intervals or it's a straight threshold run, I start thinking like, oh, this is, this is nice. Mm-hmm. Like, this is nice. I'm running fast and I have the exhilaration of moving through space somewhat quick, but I don't feel like it's costing me a whole lot. Early on, it's like, oh, like this is going to be like, this is nice. I'm nice. This is nice. That's exactly what I think. It's just nice to run fast, but not be in pain. And then towards the back half of typically my threshold workouts, I'll start working for it, whether it's the back half of a five minute threshold interval or it's the back half of a 45 minute threshold progression run where I start to work and get a little more serious. And then like, you know, then I'm starting to look for it to, you know, around minute four of a five minute interval. I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm ready for five minutes to get here. I can keep going, but I wouldn't be the worst if it got here. And the same thing with a progression run, but at all times, am I able to fake a smile or do a wave or have a quick conversation mid rep for sure. But in the beginning, I actually often question, am I going too easy? Like, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to be working hard enough today. I think the yes, first part of anything like, oh, this isn't bad. And then eventually like, ah, oh, yeah, it is. Okay. Now it's like the work is there. I can feel my legs are starting to get a little heavier and the work is in there. But like, I almost doubting that I'm, I'm airing too easy. I would say I that's think. accurate. Like this won't be hard today. Yeah. In a VO two max workout or something really fast and difficult in the middle of it, you're thinking, I can't wait for this to be done. This next rep may or may not happen. Where in this workout, you're thinking, I wonder when this is still going to start getting difficult. And then a, in a, a nasty, let's say a 5K, a VO2 max workout, you finish it and think, that made me so much better. And there's only so many more of these that I want to do. Where in a threshold workout, you finish and think, man, if I just did this every week or twice a week for like the next 10, 20 weeks, think of how strong I would be. One of them leaves you feeling like, ooh, that was... I don't want to do that that many more times than the other one. You get excited about if I just keep stacking Mm -hmm. these, the cumulative effect is going to be huge. And the interesting, maybe it has to do with my age. Maybe it is like this for everybody, no matter your age. But I find if I'm doing threshold style stuff for me, let's just say, I don't know. Honestly, range is pretty broad, like five, 15 or 20 pace to 540 pace, like pretty broad for me. I feel like I'm in the, I'm in the wheelhouse, 545. Mm-hmm. 
when I get done with that, even if it's an hour's worth, like, yeah, I, I've accumulated fatigue and then I'm ready for it to be over. If I extend, I did a three, two float workout last week for an hour. And when that hour hit, like, yeah, I was in threshold weaving in and out for an hour. Like it's time to be done. <laughs> right. Um, but what I'm getting at is like, if I were to go rip 12 by 400 on the track or half mile repeats, which are my personal least favorite, I think that's just the sweet spot for pain. If you're looking for metrics, um, those can wreck me for just like the remainder of the week. I might not be the same, like for the next three to five plus days. Whereas in that threshold, it like, if you're just airing on the side of caution, you're available again later that week to like put more mm -hmm. money in the bank. And sometimes when you're cooking a little hot and that harder stuff. So really I think the point getting across is like airing on the side of caution and being comfortable is okay. And it's okay to be that for the whole beginning of the workout. And if you're feeling yourself that day, you just really feel like you need an ego push at the end of something like fi fine, maybe once in a while, but like, why do it out of the gates? Silly. Right. And this is the perfect time to experiment with it yeah. because it's the start of the off season. If you get one wrong, you just mm -hmm. keep tacking on intervals. This pace is too easy. I think I'm going to do another, another rep. I'm going to do another rep. All right. I've been doing this for 40 minutes of interval work already. Not even counting the rest. I think I'm just going to call it. And next week I'm going to start a little bit quicker. That's great because it's still so much faster than aerobic work that you're clearly getting benefit, but you're leaving excited to do the next workout. And I think that's the biggest difference for me in threshold work to faster than threshold work is I finish threshold work. And by the time I cool down and get something to eat and drink, I'm already on to the next workout in my mind. I'm not sitting here in this like mm. blasted state where I'm just thinking, how am I going to get up and run tomorrow morning? Like, no, this next week or in a couple of days, I might even mm -hmm. bump my next workout up a few days. And I'm going to, instead of a recovery four miler tomorrow, I'll probably be able to go six or eight. It keeps you excited about the next workout. And I think if that mental component is there, you're probably approaching it correctly, especially for the start of an off season. You can always get faster in your workouts, but once you start too fast, it doesn't leave the door open for future progression. That might be the most important thing right there, like trapping yeah. yourself early and then having to race future workouts to hit metrics to feel good about yourself. Mm -hmm. Like That's a good way to dead end your season before it even starts, right? Um, uh, what about the conversation this? We had this question on a Q&A uh, a while back, and it was about recovery efforts. It was like, okay, I know you should go easy on easy days and hard on hard days. We all understand that. There should be a big discrepancy between pacing and effort between the two. But am I going too slow and easy on my recovery days that I'm actually losing aerobic benefit? Like I'm going too slow. And in the same side of the coin with threshold, like let's say your window is 155 to 170 before you breach lactate threshold. If I'm going at 158 beats per minute, am I leaving something on the table? Would I be better off going 168 beats per minute? Like, am I going too easy within my threshold that I'm leaving fitness on the table? And we could talk about aerobic, you know, recovery runs as well. Do you have any thoughts on that? Like, am I going to get more out of it if I ride that line perfectly or not? Well, you will get slightly more out of it if you're on the line more. Yeah, you will get slightly more out of it. But what does that look like? like what is the tangible time difference in your next race off that? Um, I can't really... I can't really quantify that for you. What I can say is that by going a little slower, 
you're not getting worse and you're still progressing. So will you maybe see fitness leaps be a little bit smaller of leaps potentially? But if we go below, let's say my lactate threshold is 161 to 166. What if I'm at 158? Like how much worse am I getting by doing most mm. of my work there? What am I approaching there? We're approaching what runners call gray zone and what cyclists call sweet spot. <laughs> how can that exist? What is there a world where one modality of fitness, you get worse there and then another modality, you become this powerful engine that never stops chugging? No, I don't think so. I think engine is engine. And so I believe you are getting better in that zone. You're not going to get as sharp as fast in that zone, which maybe is a saving grace for most of the people listening to this, since most humans' natural tendency is to overreach or get too excited. Well, if you're going to do that eventually anyway, as you get closer to a race, maybe you are even better off going a few beats per minute slower now because it leaves doors available for later. So yes, if you and I were both preparing for a 10K... And we both have the same zone. Let's say 160 to 166 is our threshold. And you stayed at 165 and I stayed at 155. And we have the same metrics and everything else across the board. You're probably going to be a little bit faster than me on race day. Or you'll have more potential on race day, probably. It's not going to be night and day difference, but it's closer to race pace. And so you will be more accustomed to a bit more of a sting and all of that. Yes, yes, for sure. But what generally happens is when you work a little slower on your on your hard days is the next day you work not quite as slow on your recovery day and probably run longer. And you might do more workouts or add more into something else because you're always mm -hmm. feeling good. So my guess is we would probably arrive with a different version of the same fitness on race day. Unless you stacked 10 straight weeks right at 165 and I stacked 10 straight weeks at 155 and we did nothing different outside of that. Then, yeah, you win. Probably. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but you got to have exactly what happens afterwards. What's the accumulative yeah. effect? Uh, how does it? But most right, people pivot with training thereafter. They're not they're not concerned about 155 or 165. They're concerned on 162 or 165. 162 or 164. They're starting to get mm -hmm. down to should I run 510 pace or 512 pace? Or should I run six minute pace or 610 pace? At which point I'm going to say it doesn't matter. If you end up feeling too good, add extra reps. Right. Great. Great. Mm hmm. Yeah. It's something I was going to add and it slipped my mind just now. It was brilliant. Uh, was it? What, was what it? triggered it? I'll repeat everything sure I've said was. from the start of this episode until you find that magic combination. Oh, can't say, can't Perk, say, I'm but I will, oh, this is sort of what I want. This is what it, okay, nope, I wanted to get to, I got it. It came so back starting to over from the beginning. Whew. <laughs> from minute one. Could yep. you imagine? Can you imagine making people listen to that? Um, no, what, what I often, like, if you're able to train relatively consistently, you're able to put running shoes on four plus days a week. You're able to handle the time on feet. I think it is more common for people to find themselves too fit too early than not fit enough in time. Mm -hmm. Meaning like if you're able to train and you're able to do workouts and not exercise, but train, a lot of athletes end up looking back and being like, oh, I peaked in May. I mean, I raced all the way till August, but like I peaked in May. That's when I felt my best. I was running a little faster and... 
I think I like it's always a hindsight thing, and I, I hear this a lot. I feel like like I never got any better since May, or I you know whatever it might be. And again, this is if you're able to train with consistency and and you're healthy and all of that. And so, with that in mind, and maybe that's not you listening, but I think a lot of you it is, right? You look back and say, oh yeah, there was my best stretch of racing. It's like the rush to get in shape or peak should be slowed down quite a bit in my opinion. And so erring on the side of caution, the 155 BPM side of things, like you're not a wimp for like leaving a little bit on the table every quality session. You're not a wimp for not selling yourself inside out and being nauseous the rest of the day and having tummy troubles because you worked so hard. You're not really being, you know, a wimp by any of that. I would, I would argue that yes, at times, again, if you're having a good day and want to occasionally, but like, I don't think we should glorify that this time of year. I think it's more like, yeah, I held back a little bit and I felt good. And frick, I wasn't even ruined the rest of the day. Got to go to work and hang out with the kids. And like, that was good. It was invigorating, not, you know, deteriorating. And so I think for those who are healthy and able to train as they would like, slightly holding back, like the times will come. As soon as you decide to flip the switch and start really getting spicy with some sessions as racing actually approaches, it's going to come around in three weeks time. You're going to go from, Oh, my six minute pace felt really hard. Oh, that felt easy today. Somehow like it will Mm -hmm. switch that quick. If you have that foundation. So that's just something I feel I see more often than the opposite, which is people showing up to races and not feeling like they have enough fitness. Be like, I just don't feel fit yet. If that is the case, it's usually because of an injury held them back in training or something, but suddenly bam, we peak. It's like, where did that come from? Well, you probably were cooking a little too hot, a little too early in the season. You peaked early. Like that happens all the time. You even hear it. And I'm getting a little bit on a high horse here, but you hear it all the time in like professional athletics, track and field and cross country. Like it's been a long season. And you know, the fact that he's able to run this fast still at the end of the year is impressive, right? Like, because by the nature of racing the circuit and by the nature of getting ready for these races, they're doing a lot of high intensity stuff and pretty soon they run into a roadblock, but they have two months of racing left. And it's like the logic says like, Oh, they've been racing and running hard for the last six months. Like they should be the most fit at the end of that because they've been training so hard and intensely in racing. Like logic would tell you that you're only going to get better and better and better, the harder and harder and harder you work and the more and more you race. But unfortunately logic is wrong in that case. And so now is just not the time for that is what I'm sort of getting at. Yeah. Because you'll, you know, inevitably end up running into a, a wall. You're right. There are two types of people who, no, it's perfect. That, there are two types of people who aren't ready to race. And you just addressed one of them, which is I'm overcooked. I'm burnt. I, I just can't. I need time off. And the other is I'm not even close to being in shape to handle what this course is going to demand of me. Everyone else sits somewhere in the right. middle and they feel good. And that feeling good happens somewhere when you get over 80% of like your potential fitness and it lasts all the way up to like 99% of it. And then you get scared and you tip over. It's just, you missed it by a lot on either side. I'm way too overcooked or I'm way under trained, but sitting in the middle, you start feeling ready to sign up for races. As soon as you start feeling a little bit fit, a little bit in shape, I've I've put together some weeks and you know what zone does that? Yep. All of these zones we're talking about, but only one of the zones doesn't tip you. So stay on that side a little longer. Mm-hmm. You know, what's funny is going into both my freshman and sophomore seasons of cross country in college, um, I was really motivated to do well. And I, I tend to 
you know, hardest worker in the room, dirt to dirt. And I would really cook hot in some mm-hmm. of my summer training, just go out and pound a 14 mile long run at, you know, too fast, too hard. And both seasons, you know, you show up, you go to cross practice for like three weeks and you race right away. It's like not very shortly after you show up to school, right. you know, you might race three weeks in or something. Um, where you actually start official workouts. Like we were just told to run mileage. We weren't told to like go rip intervals or do like this. Like, no, it was just like, go run. If, if you're a freshman hit 40 to 50 miles, if you're a sophomore, like aim for these metrics and just get it done without a lot of guidance outside of that. And I PR'd both seasons, my first race of the year. That was my (laughs) fastest race. My freshman and sophomore years of college were my first granted. It was Lake breeze and you know how that course is, but my PRs were the first race. And then I, I would race a minute slower sometimes in the middle of the year and feel awful. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's cause I was overeager. I was so, I wanted so bad to be so good that I think in hindsight, right. I just went and cooked too hot, too much. I peaked. And then it was like sputtered out. If somebody could have just been like Kirk, just, hey, just chill, man. Just like, hang tight. Like you don't need mm-hmm. to right now. You trust me. This will come together when it should. I would have been a lot better off. And, uh, for you motivated folks out there who are ready to rip heads off in 2024, like tip of the hat to you, heck yeah, but don't be freshman, sophomore Kirk in college. (laughs) Didn't work out very well. And Charlie talked about that on the episode too. He came in too fit (laughs) and people always roll their eyes. Like what is too fit? What, what what can that mean? Yeah. That'd be great to be too fit. That means that you can only go one direction and that's, that's downwards. You hang on for a little bit, then you go down and most people who are listening to this podcast are not in the 1%, which means the best thing you can do is run more often. And so if you have, I could run seven minute pace or I could run 720 and at seven minute pace, I can do eight by thousand. And at 720, I can do 12 by thousand. Go do 12 by thousand. Get the extra reps in. That's just going to help you on both fronts. It's building engine and it's building the skill of running and the resistance to impact and all that. So most of us, even like yourself, Kirk, are you ever going to get to a race where you're just purely not fast enough to do well? Probably not. You're going to get to a race where you don't have enough unless durability a, or endurance. hundred. Yeah. Right. Like you've yeah. run of what the equivalent of a four ten mile, something like that. Four Oh nine. Oh nine. Four Oh nine. You're not going to run into a place where you need more speed than that. You're going to need more staying power always and forever. So that's what we should all err on. Mm. Um, you know, not to disclose too much, but sometimes we don't know what's going to come out of our mouths when we start these podcasts. Like we have an idea and we just, we go into it guys, right? That's how mm-hmm. we, that's how we've always talked Bracken and I, it's not like we have a note sheet or what our agenda list. We just start talking about a subject and it goes where it goes. And I really wanted to start with like the quit splitting the hairs and beating yourself up. Like don't add that stress to your life. We don't mm-hmm. need to, it's not that scientific for you. And I stand by that. But as we talk through this, I'm realizing like now we got back behind that layer of the onion and it's like, what do, how do I really feel? I feel like people need to, people need to stay available instead of be a hero this time of year. And I didn't know we were going to get to that. I didn't know how much we were going to talk about that, but that's how I think this is directed is like, if you're splitting hairs, let's just err on the side of dialing it down a a little bit, leave a little on the table. That's going to be the better choice then if you're a hair splitter. And you're right about the stress piece. This should not be stressful. Taking your training to the next level is physically stressing, so it should not be mentally stressful. 
you should leave that piece out of it. So I think here's my here's my rule. If you're really looking for hard and fast rule, hard and fast rules, start with the pace that you can do more of and do more of it until it becomes absurd. Mm. Until you're exceeding 40 minutes of time spent working in the intervals, then reset a little bit faster and build up to that same thing. And follow that progression all off season. If I could run 10 seconds faster or that. not, start without Max out the volume of the workout first and then reset with a faster pace and try to max it out again over time. That'll keep you in check and build you into a monster. Yeah. I remember seeing, um, who was it? I don't know. Cooper Tier and Cole Hawker. They had like some stuff on YouTube for a little while. Maybe they don't anymore, but it was like, it was like Cooper Tier had his first mile race of the year coming up in three weeks. And he was doing his first quality session, as he had claimed, after, like, some sort of base building, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I think he was just running. Um, and Cooper Tier's workout was a, in quotes, tempo run, right? And it was simply, like, a five-mile tempo. And Cooper Tier, who can run what in the mile? 352? He ran 350 indoor. Where is he at? Who knows? Or 349 or something like that. Yeah. Hey, yeah, Cooper Tier started his tempo run at 5.30 pace. And he ran 5.30, 5.25, 5.20. Like, for him, he had a mile race on the track in three weeks. And his coach understood the prioritization of patience in whatever build or his long-term plan was. He had a mile in three weeks in which he was going to run under four minutes for, most likely, or aim to. He's going out and starting his tempo run at 5.30 pace, and he ends at, like, 5.07. For him, that's laughable. It's laughable, the mm -hmm. fact that they were practicing that self-restraint, even at that level. And granted, he probably wasn't trying to peak for six months, and there was more to the equation, and he didn't plan on showing up perfectly race-ready. But nonetheless, like, you even see it at the top tier, really, people people holding back. Isn't even, like, I mean, if we talk threshold and, like, the Ingebrigtsons, like, isn't it Jakob that says, like, don't train so hard? Isn't it yeah. him? Doesn't yeah. he always preach, like, quit working so hard? He says, like, you want to be comfortable? Like, what What does he say? I don't know his steadfast rules. But yeah, but he, he's the one who said everyone needs to stop training so hard. They're doing hero workouts. <laughs> yeah. I don't do hero workouts. If I do the correct workout, I can just seven times of quality mm -hmm. per week, you know, or five, <laughs> right, five quality right. of them per week. I do it correctly. So why don't we, um, so we get a tangible here. Sometimes we get lost in theory, right? And your tangible is really good about starting at a pacing or effort, which you know you could do more of, right? Or you could do more reps mm -hmm. or duration or distance. Let's say somebody wants to go out and run mile repeats even, which is mm -hmm. can be a spicier workout. Let's just say. And they know like, who the fastest I've ever done these when I was really fit, I averaged seven-minute pace for five of them. I went five by a mile at seven-minute pace. I remember feeling so good about that workout, right? I nailed it. Worked really hard, nailed it. Let's say that's you. Where would you tell somebody in this philosophy, like, okay, seven minutes was a hero workout for you, average. Where would you start them? How much buffer? In theory, it'd start at 7.30. Yep. But what I'd Big probably buffer, right? do, week one, is a total ego check and a learning experience. I would say forget pace. Go run what feels right, but you only get 30 seconds rest. That's, mm. that's the workout I turn to when someone doesn't know their pacing. I make the rest as small as you could possibly get away with having and say, figure it out. You're going to know after rep number one, if you've made a terrible mistake or not. 
And oftentimes it'll be like, all right, if you make your <laughs> terrible dick, mistake. That's a take, dick move, Bracken. <laughs> maybe. But take five minutes. Go jog around, walk around, come back, and now let's start it over. Now you know what it's going to be like. Choose the pace that's appropriate for 30 seconds rest. Mm. Because what I find is that uh, self-selecting pace, we revert to what we aspire to be. That's why with threshold work, I usually tell someone, choose your what you think you could run in a one-hour race right now. Because they're going to guess their 45-minute race pace. We always overestimate what we could mm. run. You ask me what I could run in a marathon right now, I would tell you. Then I'd go out and try to run mile repeats on that on 60 seconds rest, and I'd blow up after like eight. <laughs> like we just, we're not to be trusted for estimating our fitness. So we either have to be given a time that we can't exceed or given rest parameters that enforce the rule for us. Mm. I remember you uh, shortly after we had started working together when you were the coach and I was the athlete back in 2016, 17, you prescribed 30 seconds rest on quarter mile repeats. I thought that was absolutely acidine, <laughs> acidine, tomfoolery, ludicrous. 30 seconds rest on quarter mile repeats. Well, yeah, it was February. Mm -hmm. Of course I prescribed in hindsight now, like, duh, 30 seconds rest. You probably don't even remember this. I think it was leaderboard. Man, it might've been a leaderboard work. I was like 30 seconds of rest. Are you kidding me? What the, this is, what are you trying to do? I'm not even be able to run fast. Yeah. It's guardrails. Right? If I can't be to there, do with this, what do you expect to do with this? The rest has to coach for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyways, I've, yeah, you've been practicing that philosophy for a while, I would say. I learned the hard way with that. And I think that is the, how so? I, I brought my track theory to, to distance running, yeah, to trail racing, to mountain running, to OCR. I quickly realized that no one cares how fast you can run clean and well rested. Give yourself short rest or no rest or float rest. And now how can you run? That's predictive of a race. We, for years, we saw these threads on yeah. let's run. Like how, what could I run? I ran 12 by 400 at this predict my 5k. And eventually you realize it's, it's a fool's errand. You can't do that. You have to make the workout dirty in order to figure out what you're really capable of. And short rest, that dirties the waters really quickly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you see a common thread in those who are successful in the endurance realm. The common thread is longer intervals, shorter rest. Like every yep. single one of them across the board. Like the first time I heard like mile repeats with a minute rest, like, are you kidding me? Why? Would Same I thought. I can't run fast for that. Same thought as you had. That was my thought. How am I supposed to run those yeah. fast? Because my ego was tied to the watch, yeah. what it said. It's like if you took a 400-meter runner, like a pro 400-meter runner, you took a 5K runner. If you made them both do 12 by 400 meters with three minutes rest, the 400-meter runner might average 55 seconds for 12 by a quarter. Probably way faster. And the 5,000-meter right, runner might average, let's say, 60 Mm -hmm. on paper be like well yeah this the 400 meter runner is going to run a faster 5k look at how fast he ripped those those short intervals with all that rest like can you imagine what he's doing a marathon bracken if he can run 12 <laughs> yeah. reps at 55 seconds mm -hmm. it doesn't work that way folks it just doesn't and it practices and the shorter rest intervals are more indicative of your actual race potential and then chilling and being able to do it comfortably as well is more predictive of your race potential. I made a post last week basically saying, like, if you have to fight for it, you can't afford it. Like, mm -hmm. if you got to fight for pacing, like, you're not going to be able to afford it on race day. So what are you even doing? Back it off, run efficiently in control, and that'll be more predictive of your actual potential at this time. And so I don't even know if hero workouts necessarily are the ones that 
are even really getting us to the race ready to perform our best because sometimes hero workouts aren't even really sustainable over the duration you're racing coming up. No, those change you as a person. These change you as a runner. Yeah. Yeah. What else? What do we need? What else do we need to dive into here? There's no time to dive in. Let's let's end how we came in, which is a call to reviews. Go ahead. I I got preachy in the beginning. Your turn to close it out. You got more to dive into? No. I got nothing. Okay. Well, let's let's see some let's see some reviews online, ladies and gentlemen. It helps us helps us get the word out to more people. Algorithms are a a fickle foe, so we're going to attack them through the reviews. They are. As long as they come in by, let's make the cutoff January 1st. And typically with like Apple Podcasts, it takes them a day or two to get approved and up. So really, like if you're going to write a review, it probably has to come through by like the 29th at the latest before we actually. We're checking January 1st. That's what? Oh, right out of bed in the morning. I'm looking. All right. I got nothing else, man. I'm. (laughs) You're going to be up still? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm prescribing for a lot of for my non ultra athletes. I'm prescribing the longest run of their year on New Year's Eve, and I think I'm probably going to do the same thing on New Year's Eve itself. Yeah, or the thirtieth, but Day. one of the last two days of the year. Send it out on a with a bang. It it would be ridiculous for the ultra athletes to do that, but for the people who just have to get a little, you know, a tenth of a mile longer, make it your longest run, prove something to yourself, put a bow on it. Do you think you should go out at the end of the year with with a bang, or is that like a no? You promote that amongst your athletes, like pick something. Uh, not crazy. always, no. But for this, it's people are building base and extending volume right now, and it's an easy, fun reason to get a long run in. And again, it's this isn't for people that have to run longer than like sixteen or seventeen miles. It's for people who haven't exceeded that in a year. So it's a challenging run, but it's not like a ruin you for the next week or two type of run. I like, I do I like. like that sentimental acts i like show of of intent for the next year i like meaningful Mm -hmm. acts i don't think they have to be heroes but something that signifies your intent for what you're going to do in the coming year i i I like those set the tone isn't there um i've never done it but there's like new year's like midnight runs and races sometimes right i'm sure thing i'm not really but i'm out there i think i guess Pretty sure they, they exist. Oh, yeah. All right, we're rambling. Or whatever. Please write reviews. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. Mm-hmm.